last time on Oz Hour. Okay, so last time it was a tip and he got some powder of life and he decided to bring a scarecrow to life and then they escaped where they were from and took this life with them and saw one of those wood things the sawmen and brought it to life which is kind of creepy but it's what happened and then they uh went down a river but then tip got lost and then the scarecrow was like by himself, but he made it and he was like, okay, I'm here. So I'm just going to do what I was supposed to do. And that's what happened, I think. Hi there, and welcome to Oz Hour, the only place where you can hear everything you never knew about the wonderful and strange land of Oz. That's right. With the help of some alcohol, we will be discussing each of the 14 books in L. Frank Baum's Wizard of Oz series. Today, we will be discussing chapters 7 through 11 of book 2 of The Marvelous Land of Oz. We are your hosts, Blake Stone and Wyatt Swingham. And joining us is our resident Oz initiate, Hannah Aguirre. Hello. Hannah just played uh, last time on with us, and it took her about, how long, Wyatt? 37 seconds. Took her about 37 seconds to cover it, and here's what she missed. Um, First, Mombi is Tip's caretaker, and she's the one with the powder of life. Uh, She's a witch. Uh, Jack Pumpkinhead is not a scarecrow. He was built by Tip in order to scare Mombi. Mombi, to get revenge on Tip for trying to scare her, was going to make Tip into a statue. So they ran away, uh, him and Jack, since Jack is his creation. They took the powder of life with them and used it to bring a sawhorse to life so that Jack wouldn't exhaust his joints. The ferryman wouldn't let them across for free, so they rode the sawhorse across, and they decided to run as fast as they could to dry their clothes after that, so they climbed on the sawhorse, and Tip fell off and got separated from the rest of the gang. Sound right? Pretty much. (laughs) So, Hannah, I'm going to go ahead and say that this week you lost that game. I'm so very sorry. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. I would like to interject that Hannah has never won that game. (laughs) I think there was one time where she got like a consolation. I got like a pity win. Yeah, (laughs) at twice the time. We were like, that wasn't that wrong. But it was (laughs) detailed. (laughs) Well, before we started recording, we went ahead and whipped up some cocktails. So for this episode, we are going to be enjoying a cocktail that Wyatt made just for us. What's it called? Uh, tonight we are drinking Ginger's Revolt, uh, the recipe for which can be found on our Instagram at Oz Hour Podcast. It's basically just a dark and stormy, but well, that's it. It's just a dark and stormy. So if you know what that is, Ex- you'll enjoy it. All right. Well, this dark and stormy is very delicious. Why don't we take a slurp? The ginger. Oh my god, the ginger went right up my nose. It went up my that nose. That so funny. Well, without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. Book two, The Marvelous Land of Oz. Chapter seven, His Majesty, the Scarecrow. So L. Frank Baum starts this chapter by saying that he's sure that all of the readers of this book know what a scarecrow is. It's just... Breaking the fourth wall like that is a strong choice at the best of times, but it's not even really breaking the fourth wall. It's just making an assumption about your audience. And it's like, yeah, if I didn't know what a scarecrow is, I came back for your second book. So I do that. (laughs) Maybe that's why you came back is because you read the whole book and you were like, what is a scarecrow? Maybe the second book will unlock that information. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, but Jack Pumpkinhead, he has never seen a Scarecrow before, and he is more surprised by meeting the Scarecrow than any other event in his very short life. Yeah, I mean, and that's the whole point of Al Frankbaum saying that is like, yeah, everyone knows what a Scarecrow is, but not Jack. And it's true. He has no idea. And to be fair, this is not a Scarecrow any of us, I don't think, would really recognize. And the description of the Scarecrow is frankly a little disturbing. Well, um, at first, it does say that when Jack lays eyes on the Scarecrow, it says he's wearing faded blue clothes. And I'm wondering, are these the same clothes that he was wearing in the previous book? Or is he just staying true to his munchkin roots? Is he a member of the Crips? Well, are they? <laughs> Probably the latter, although I don't know of their presence on the streets of the Emerald City. But I mean, that's interesting that it said faded. I didn't really pick up on that. Because, yeah, does that mean they're the same clothes? That they're old. And they're just old now? Like... I mean, well, like, I'm sorry. I thought he was a king. Well, he certainly is. Um, and yeah, where's his robe? What? Oh, well, he has a crown. Um, we want a crown and a robe. Yeah. Do you have time? Uh, if you're with us already, and if if you just have a minute, let's get into some scarecrow body. Yes, just a little bit. The scarecrow is described as being just lumpy. He is like. Ew. not in any like normal f like what i guess symmetric shape yeah. really it says unevenly and carelessly stuffed yeah <gasps> and his who's been stuffing him well oh good question his servants presumably well it gets worse because his painted face is quote rudely painted on which that's just the face he started with i guess although <laughs> although we'll get to that later because there's that that pulls some things into question um and his crown is so heavy that his whole face is just in this fucked up grimace. Like his yeah. brow is down. He looks like he's like just thinking about something. And to quote the book, he is flimsy, awkward, and unsubstantial. Okay, I wrote that in my oh, notes too. God. I see that as L. Frank Baum throwing some Sade. Yes, he's reading him. He says that the crown alone betokened majesty, but in all else, Scarecrow King was a simple scarecrow. Yeah, which I guess is fine. He wants everyone to know that a scarecrow can barely even handle being a king that's true it could by be even classist. having the crown on his head you wrote it <laughs> yes yeah, why are you exactly well and you know that actually so my my thought was like okay is that what jack is thinking when he sees this but the whole point is jack has no idea he doesn't know that that looks not like a king he doesn't know anything so that's not what he's thinking that is yeah. l frank Baum. honestly like, speaking pretty much anytime i read a book like unless they say jack noticed or jack was aware i just assume it's the storytelling yeah no yeah i think that's fair the scarecrow is also astounded by jack because he's just like what is that thing like it has like these saggy clothes all over it's like wooden legs <laughs> and he has this like weird fucking grin carved up into him and so and he's like oh that thing is laughing at me and he's like kind of pissed about it but then honestly this is how i feel when i go out in public <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he, wait are you jack or is everyone else jack uh i'm jack okay yeah, fair yeah. enough that fits. Uh, but yeah he thinks that jack is laughing at him because of the wide grin carved on his face but uh thankfully since the scarecrow is the wisest being in throughout his all the land he was able to take a closer examination yeah. and he realized that jack's face was carved 
Um, so thank God for those busted ass brains that the wizard gave him in the last book. <laughs> and we'll get to that later too, because they come they come up. But um Oh yeah, because he still has the does he have those fucking pins and needles in him? Yes. He yeah, the does. like ball of lint with Ew, like, and they're probably rusty in. now. Oh yeah. Well he sh- hopefully Shot he's staying down. dry, but he <laughs> might be getting that. molded. Um Ooh. yeah. But so basically they just like stare at each other for a second and Eventually, the Scarecrow is the first one to speak as the king, um, which seems appropriate, I guess, even though they're both fucking inanimate objects. But anyway, but he speaks and he's like, oh, like, what are you? But Jack says that he doesn't understand him. Do you know why Jack can't understand the Scarecrow, Hannah? (laughs) I'm scared. Uh, (laughs) Well, answer the question. He's speaking tongues. I don't know. He's like, the well, scarecrow's no. like dancing with rattlesnakes. <laughs> He's like, <"Gosh>, I'm <laughs> gonna yeah, I like that explanation, but it's because they speak different languages. Okay, Jack there's comes, different languages. Jack comes from the north country of the Gillikins, and the scarecrow is located in the city of Emeralds. Therefore, anything that the scarecrow says to Jack, he is unable to understand. What? Um. And because he's a foreigner. Well, I guess so. I'm just thinking like when we talk about like how big Oz is. And I I just don't I never thought of it as being big enough where they're going to be people who don't speak the same language as you. Well, I mean, the animals animals (laughs) typically speak the same language as you. That's true. And yeah, well, okay. so here's something, though, because the scarecrow is like, well, I come from the land of the munchkins, so I speak the language of the munchkins. That's the language that they speak in the Emerald City also. So you just must speak the language of the Gillikins, which is where he's from. Mm -hmm. But he's like, okay, well, like, we've got this under control. It's fine. Let's just get an interpreter. Yeah. And Jack's like, oh, what's an interpreter? So they're still talking to each other at this point. (laughs) And the Scarecrow basically gives Jack a textbook definition of what an interpreter is. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, I would say so. It's very accurate and... In English. Yes. Well, or whatever they're speaking. Whatever they're speaking. Um, (laughs) but, But it's just, it's insane because what happens next already they're talking to each other right and then the scarecrow's like well have a seat while we're waiting for the interpreter and jack is like you can't just tell me to have a seat because i don't know what you're saying you have to make like an you have to make a motion you have to make a sign or a symbol and so the scarecrow pulls out a chair for him and then just pushes him into it and like fucks him up and it's like yeah and he very sweetly says how strong is he well, oh, I mean, how strong, strong is Jack? I guess. How strong do you have to be to shove somebody who's not expecting to be shoved? Um, I guess that's true. But he shoves him down in the chair. Jack gets all tangled up in the chair, and he's oh my like, "God!" And he asks very sweetly, "Did you understand that sign?" <gasps> um, so, but, but Jack is <gasps> oh. like, "Yes, thank you." Like Jack is well, like, "I don't know." Thing. I'll At fight a bitch if I had to. <laughs> I am feeling like very gaslighted and a bit lied to because I thought that the whole point of the last book was that the characters were asking, they were seeking Oz for things that they already had. So the Scarecrow was the one with all the ideas and he was the wise one and the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And now he's just downright plain stupid. I don't get that. Um He's just as dumb as Jack, who was born yesterday. Yeah. There's a lot of questions to be had, but 
in this I'm moment, a little annoyed that my cup is scarecrow right now. <laughs> yeah. Because every also, time we pick a we could pick a cup of who we're gonna be and mine's the scarecrow and I'm upset. I'm upset. Actually. By the end of the chapter you'll yeah. feel better about your your identification with the scarecrow oh, cup. Okay. I'm interested in seeing uh what you're talking about, because I don't know if I agree. Um, <gasps> but conflict. And, and it is worth noting that the person that the Scarecrow King sends away to fetch an interpreter mm-hmm. is his guard with the green whiskers, who was a character in the last book, not worth really remembering. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's worth noting that this guard with the green whiskers is Oz's entire army. Yeah. And the guard comes back with an interpreter. So after being shoved into the chair, Jack has to turn his head back around to the front because the <laughs> pumpkin turned around on the pole that acts as his neck and whole body. Um, so the scarecrow tells Jack that he looks like he was hastily made. And Jack responds by saying, not more so than your majesty, which I'm glad he says that. I mean, he says it because he's vapid and doesn't realize it's disrespectful to say. But I don't think the scarecrow realized he burned him either. But it's like, yeah, dude, you guys are both basically scarecrows. Like, they are. Yeah. Um, and you both are coming for each other's necks. And the Scarecrow tells Jack that the difference between the two of them is that the Scarecrow will bend but not break, but Jack will break but not bend. Which, again, sounds like shade. It, You know, the thing is, I think they're both communicating in basically the exact same way where they mean what they say and they're not trying to be insulting. And then the other person takes it as, oh, I understand what you say and I'm not insulted. Like... It's it's weird. Yeah, neither of them are insulted. Yeah, exactly. No one's mad. They're just like, oh, like us reading it. It's like if someone said that to me in that as context, the scare- as the fucking Jack's just twisted around this chair, all broken. <laughs> it's like, nah, you're good. I'm not Honestly, mad. It's kind of like Stupid. kids will say the darndest things, you know. Basically, yeah. They don't have yeah. the knowledge to do better. And yeah, yeah and scarecrow- they don't know any better that someone is maybe being mean to them or not. And the scarecrow is what a year old now. Who cares? He's a king of a fucking nation, okay? He can figure it out. Well, not a nation, but we'll get to that. Um, anyway. <laughs> so the guard with the green whiskers returns with an interpreter. And I do, I just, we mentioned in the last episode that the Land of Oz is not immune to inconsistent storylines, but this one stood out to me so immensely. And I want to point it out. So you remember they put on the spectacles and then when they left, it turned out their clothes were actually white when they went on their way to kill the witch. Everything's green. Her hair's green. Her eyes are green. Her clothes are green. So huge massive inconsistency of something that i thought was really important in the last book yeah yeah i think that there that is and will continue to be as we get further into this book and inconsistency is the like dubious greenness of oz but even with the spectacles this girl could have been wearing all that you know like but I guess it's well, embroidered. It's not litter. I was like, oh, like clovers are going to be green, but they're embroidered. So actually, yeah, I mean, with, they could have been embroidered anything with the spectacles, certainly. But I mean, this is like like what I just said about like, unless it's saying that a character is is realizing something this way, then it's the author telling you that it is actually this way. And this is an example of the author telling you that it's actually this way. It's not Jack saw that she was wearing green through his spectacles. It's yeah, she was green. That's you know, true, that's true. We could have started this book fresh where, oh, everyone knows that not everything in the Emerald City is green, but 
after everyone found out that not everything was green, they'd probably still want green shit. They all wear so green. If if we hadn't had in the last episode, in the last few chapters, if we didn't have that interlude where the visitors were forced to put on goggles, we could have just assumed, okay, everyone decided that they're still going to wear green and they got actual green shit. So great. That makes complete sense. So the interpreter that the Scarecrow calls for... Uh, comes back and turns out to be Jalea Jam, who we did meet in the last book. Don't know if you remember her. I do remember Jalea Jam. She's the one who told mm-hmm. everyone to quit crying on their nice clothes and go kill the witch. Yeah. So Jalea begins to translate for the two, also in presumably uh, English. Um, and kind of, she's just being cheeky. Um, so she translates Jack as being um, insolent to the Scarecrow every time he says something. Um, and the Scarecrow is being pretty kind and just asking normal questions to jack anytime he says something um does that seem accurate i mean yeah basically like jalea gets there and she's like well i was born in the north country so i speak the language of the gillikins and now i live in the emerald city so obviously i speak the language that's spoken here and yeah she's just translating them wrong like both ways like and answering each other like inappropriately but then through that they're like oh well um like I understood what he said. Like, don't. That's not what I said. Oh, I know you didn't say that. She said that, and she's like trying to like. So stifle. they just, they just under like. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they understood each other the entire the time. entire time. I saw it happen. <laughs> we don't need. I love Julia. I love her. Oh, she's hilarious. But we don't need you. Yeah, waste no, of time. They didn't need her. Um, she's making it worse. Um, yeah, because they even answer each other's questions a couple of times. Um, and the scarecrow asked Julia, like, why, if we speak different languages, how come I can understand what you're saying and I can why understand what you're saying? Why is this in the book? It's ridiculous. So it's important to note that L. Frank Baum is a playwright. Uh, that's like his passion. Like, playwriting and acting are like what he loved the most. After several other like failed business ventures, he went back to writing and wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz with one pencil. Um, we'll do a whole episode on L. Frank Baum later in the series just to make sure you guys are actually interested. But uh, yeah, it is like these next few chapters are so talky and so just like little skits within the book mm. because I think like comedy writing was his passion and that's what he loved to do. Oh my God, that's actually so interesting. Kind of cute, right? Yeah, because I'm like, what is this whole interaction? <laughs> yeah. But if it was a comedy sketch, like something like that, I would be like, oh, this shit's funny. it is funny. It and is. yeah. And it's very like who's on first or what's on right. first. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like it's a comedy of errors, except that in this case, Julia Jam is like laughing to herself and has to confess like, hey, sorry, I'm just fucking with you guys. Like everyone speaks the same language in Oz. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The Scarecrow asks her like, why am I able to understand both languages? And she like laughs in his face and is like, because in Oz, there's only one language is spoken. It's like, yeah, um, you stupid little one year olds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jack does apologize, saying that it's his mistake. He thought that since they were from different countries, that they surely must speak different languages. Um, and then, <sighs> actually, the Scarecrow says some weird-ass shit. Is this in your notes? Well, yeah, just the the Scarecrow just berates him for being a dummy. He's like, if you don't know what you're saying, don't say anything at all. Oh, wait. So... Yeah, the Scarecrow says that terrible shit and then basically follows it up by basically saying that good pies were wasted on Jack's head because he's just a stupid pumpkin. And then they just agree to be friends. So then Jack 
also tells the Scarecrow that he would love to be his friend with all his heart. And the Scarecrow asks if Jack Pumpkinhead has a heart, because obviously our friends in Oz are very obsessed with internal organs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack says, no, I don't have a heart. It was just a figure of speech. To which the shady old King Scarecrow says, Jack's not allowed to use figures of speech and he's not allowed to imagine because he has no brains. But thankfully, the Scarecrow has a needlepoint cotton ball in his head. Yeah, that's rusted and moldy. (laughs) But yeah, then he sends, uh, the Scarecrow sends Jalea Jam and the guard with the green whiskers away. And that's how the chapter basically ends is them friends as they are walking off to go and play a game in the courtyard. But Hannah... I do have a quick question for you. Okay. The game that they go to play in the courtyard is called something that you may have heard of. It's called Quoits. Q-U-O-I-T-S. Quoits. Mm. What is Quoits? So what I'm thinking of is the game. I don't actually know the name of it, so this could be it. But where like two guys have a, like a little tennis ball or something. I'm not really sure what it is, but they throw it at a wall and then they like catch it or something. Oh, I think you're thinking Are you of racquetball. Handball. Handball uh, is racquetball without rackets. Yeah. yeah, it's like with a with your hands, and oh. you're just like in a park, yeah. and there's a wall. No, that's that's so that's, far off. That's either handball or wall ball. I'm not sure oh, which oh, one she's probably wall about. ball. Handball's a little more niche. There's um, so many well ball games. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1905, there was no rubber. I'm gonna start with that. Um, that's an assumption I'm making. So there's no there's also rubber. that. Um, I had to look this up, obviously, because that's a ridiculous game to play in the rubber courtyard. was invented in 1600 BC. That's Hell because, yeah, because of rubber trees. They didn't have rubber balls. They were playing wall ball for a while. No. <laughs> yeah, but they <laughs> America's pastime. <laughs> Okay, well, vulcanized rubber was invented in the 1800s, so about 150, uh, so about 105 years. Tennis balls. Okay, <laughs> so no, you're right. It was wall ball. Quoits is wall ball. <laughs> no, uh, quoits is basically horseshoes, but with mm. an iron ring instead of a horseshoe, um, or like kind of like you can think of it as like a ring toss at the carnival, mm-hmm. but you're at like a horseshoe pit basically, so you're from farther away. Um, what an interesting way to spend your time. But I mean, I've played some stupid ass yard games. Especially so. when yeah. you're the scarecrow and you have no muscles. Um, oh, God. And but yeah. That was a whole ass chapter. That was one chapter. But yeah. it really put us into nothing in particular. Um, Just, it had me really fucking hate the scarecrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, oh. He's I was there. He's always there. I swear to God, I would fucking kill him. <laughs> I would take the straw out. I would take the straw out. I don't blame you at all. Unfortunately, I don't think that kills him, which is so bizarre. Uh, but, um, no, but, get there. I'm with you. I find him very annoying in this book, and I find him honestly to not even be the same character that he was in the previous book. I think mm-hmm. they. It, it's like they recast. You know. Yeah. He's going well, through puberty. Well, Blake, with that opinion in mind that was chapter seven his majesty the scarecrow what would you rename that chapter interesting i'm calling this chapter throwing sade chapter eight general ginger's army of revolt ginger like our drink 
So yes, I see Hannah, you had a bodily reaction to the word ginger being listed, which someone's paying attention. If you (laughs) folks out there didn't catch that's what we were drinking, put the podcast down. And (laughs) yes, this is ginger spelled J-I-N-J-U-R, but we have not met that character yet. So I will begin by saying that Tip is frantically trying to get back to his man Jack and the sawhorse. So he's cleared a full half of the distance to the Emerald City in like, a very short time. Yeah, he didn't stop to take a break or drink some water or eat some berries or nuts or whatever he does. He was just like, fuck, I need to catch up with them because he knows like they're gone. Like he, he's not catching up to them. Yeah. No. And he's super exhausted from like racing to catch up with them and realizes he's out of crackers and cheese, which, you know, Tip has crackers and cheese. Dorothy has bread and butter. They're, they're ill prepared. Yes. And there are parallels. But something, and we're about to get to some actual book stuff, but I just want to have a quick check-in. And I don't know if we talked about this last time, but something that occurred to me like reading through this chapter is like, what's the infrastructure like in Oz? I feel like the yellow brick roads are like Route 66. and <laughs> And if we weren't all like so into like the novelty of traveling a certain way they'd probably just become completely defunct by now um but for instance when dorothy starts off in munchkinland the road of yellow brick is gorgeous because she's in town you know like it's still a road but notice how they never meet anyone on the road as they go the only people we've ever met on the road were the tin woodman and the cowardly lion and the scarecrow other than that we've just been chased by animals when we travel the road So as Tip is walking, he comes across a young woman wearing a skirt, and the skirt has four colors, blue, yellow, red, and purple. And And green. Yes. Well, the skirt part is four colors. Gotcha. Yes. And then there's a waist or like a, not a waistband, it's kind of like a corset, I imagine. Um, And that is like green with like emerald, basically emerald colors on her. Maybe it's actual emeralds. But yeah, she's wearing like the colors of each of the countries of Oz. Mm. Um, So her skirt is four of them. And then her belt or sash or whatever it is or corset represents uh, the city of Emeralds in the center. Um, Tip thinks that her outfit is atrocious. So he thinks he's well within his right to be staring at her dress. Um, But then he notices that the face above the dress is kind of (gasps) pretty. Importantly, she's also sitting on the curb, I guess. And in one hand... She has a dainty little sandwich, and in the other hand, she has a boiled egg. And she's just, she is just feasting. And she's just staring into, like, she's just concentrating. She's staring at Tip. They're both staring at each other. And yeah, she's eating her food. And then just as Tip is about to ask for some of her food, the girl stands up and is like, time for me to go carry my basket, would you? And feel free to eat what's in there if you're hungry. This isn't even important, but I wrote it down as if it was. But when she stands up, she also brushes the crumbs off of herself. And I don't know if that's important, but it just helps build the character a little bit. (laughs) Because I feel like she's fastidious. And she's just like... Oh, hi. Carry this. Come on. Oh, and you can have some food if you want. Yeah, help yourself. And so Tip, she just starts walking and she is going. When I say she's walking, she's like power walking. She is out of this world. Tip she's has like, to run. Yeah, try to keep up. Yeah, she literally, <laughs> Tip had to run. He had to run to oh keep up. Oh my God, with her. I hate that. That's how I feel when I go on hikes with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, when we went to the Grand Canyon, I left all of you in the dust. Yeah, I was like, you I were, need, that's because you were having a panic attack. I was like, attack. get me out of this hole. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tip does have a hard time keeping up with her, especially because he's eating his fill 
as he walks along behind her. Um, and then once he finishes eating like two sandwiches, he like runs up and catches up with her and he asks her name and she tells him that her name is General Ginger. She is the commander of the army of revolt <gasps> in the war. The secret war. Yeah. It's a secret war that is beginning today, actually. Oh my God. It's an all... It's Dumbledore's army. It's an all-girl <laughs> army, actually. Yeah. L. Frank Baum wants us to be very impressed that an army of all girls were able to keep this a secret for so long. Wow. Yeah, because women gossip. They sure do. They really do. That's all that they do on their free time. It's actually so annoying. There's a lot. Although, <laughs> if they only told other women, it wouldn't even be a problem, I don't think. Well, it only just builds the army, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ginger's gathered women from all of the lands of Oz to join her army and to conquer King Scarecrow and the Emerald City. Yeah. And Tip is like, well, where's the army at? And she's like, it's just a mile away. Like, so they're literally right there. Just like standing around. Are they keeping? <laughs> well, <laughs> all, all good questions. Um, but they're just waiting. They're waiting for Ginger, like, to, to arrive. Get back and from her lunch charge break? them. Yeah. I, I wonder where she was coming from, actually. It's like that. It's like that. Uh, scene from spongebob where spongebob like goes to work and then he asks patrick oh what have you been doing all day and he's like waiting for you to get back oh not familiar that's what the army's like that is what the army's like when they don't have a commander that's so yeah and they are well i was gonna gonna say well they're reunited soon but actually there's a little bit of conversation that happens in between the Arm, the Army of Revolt uh, plans to take over the Emerald City because Ginger says the Emerald City has been ruled by men long enough for one thing, and that moreover, the city glitters with beautiful gems, which might far better be used for rings, bracelets, and necklaces, and there's enough money in the king's treasury to buy every girl in our army a dozen new gowns. So we intend to conquer the city and run the government to suit ourselves. Yeah, so that's her whole mission statement. So Ginger tells Tip all about their plan for war, and he tells her that war is terrible and that many in her army will be slain. Uh, And she says that she's not worried because guys can't hit girls and there aren't any ugly girls in her army, so they'll win the war. But then, importantly, she also says also the army of the city is weak without the fear of the wizard behind it. Like the only reason that anyone was like afraid was because Oz was so powerful and scary and he's gone now. So like, we don't even need to really be worried about that. And as a reminder, the army is the guard with the green whiskers, one man. And so (laughs) when the wizard was in power, everyone was like, Oh, we fear him. That's a powerful man. But since nobody's scared of the scarecrow, they're not scared of the one old green whiskered man either yeah but then after a little walking they come to a clearing in a field where we meet ginger's army yeah and the army is numbered at 400 women which i don't really know if that's very many um to be honest i'm thinking of like a normal army you know the u.s has an army of like millions um that really can't be compared but i'm just saying yeah i don't know if oz is even close to the same as even close in size as the u.s the only thing i think of is is like in the first book when they talk about clumps of things together it's not like humans or like women but it's animals but it always is in the not triple digits you know so i think anything that's above a hundred is like somewhat of a lot i would assume i think that 400 women who just like 
want to raid a city for pearls is also like 400 well that's a lot of like-minded people yeah that's true if 400 people just showed up here and tried to break into the house oh yeah wow there's way too many yeah we would be destroyed Um, (laughs) i hope that never happens (laughs) but yeah that's it it is a lot of people in general it just when i read that i was like 400 people like that's it's not that bad especially considering they're going up against a city but we'll get how many women are in oz Right. That's tr- oh, they can have sleeper agents. They're going to get activated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and these 400 girls of the army, they're chatting and laughing and having a great time as if it's a picnic and not an assemblage of war. Good for them. Um, <laughs> it is good for them. So, I mean, what does 400 girls chittering and laughing out in a field sound like? That's probably pretty loud. That's probably scary when it storms your castle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but all of the army is dressed very similarly to Ginger. They have the skirts with the colors of the four countries of Oz. Um, but then in the middle, everyone wears a sash over their shoulder, indicating the color of their respective country. Yeah. And the 400 girls are separated into four different regiments or sections. So, like, there's a regiment for the Munchkin land. There's a regiment for the people of the north, etc. So, like, each area has their own little company of warriors. What is it? Gillikins, Munchkins, Quadlings, and Winklies. Winkies. Winkies. They're yeah. all here. Yeah. At first, uh, Tip thinks that the army doesn't have any weapons, but then he realizes that each soldier actually has two knitting needles uh, tied into her hair. <laughs> oh see and the men gave them those weapons <laughs> <laughs> ginger gives her army a pep talk and some of them are listening but most of them are too busy chatting and giggling yeah and this part like i just like she gives like a pretty good speech like they want to like quote gain power over or obtain power over their oppressors like that's her main message in the speech is like hey girls let's go let's take the city become our own like you know masters of our own destiny but then yeah l frank Baum has to say well actually tip is the one who notices that many of the women hadn't even really listened to the speech and they were just chatting so it's like <laughs> Okay, Ginger is like... We just got a bunch of chatterboxes over here. Exactly. (laughs) But then they march. Yeah, they're literally like... It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter that they didn't hear this. Yeah. (laughs) And Tip is like carrying some of their bags. I'm imagining just like a bunch of women being like, oh, here, can you hold this for me? And like like, in the supermarket. That's what women do. You know, the the supermarket. They're literally just like handing them bags and baskets and things. And I totally see it as them doing it just out of muscle memory. But they're all marching like arm in arm, just like. They are going, and they want to be a part of this army so bad. Well, you should want to be part of them. They get to the gates, and the guardian of the gates looks at them, and he's like, "What is this?" Like the book literally says that he thinks that the circus came to town. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" (laughs) Um, And he says to them, "Good morning, my dears. What can I do for you?" And Ginger screams, "Surrender instantly!" Yeah, she is like, "You, you surrender now!" And he's just like, "Hey, you know what? Go home to your mothers, my good girls, and milk the cows and bake the bread. Don't you know it's dangerous to conquer a city?" Which is like, oh, oh God. Shut that's up. exactly that's I'll not fucking just dis- burn your city to the ground <laughs> if you what, ever talk to yeah. me like that again. An army of four hundred women is here and you tell them to go home to their mother and bake bread. <laughs> uh, the guardian of the gates rings for the soldier with the green whiskers, who is the entire army of the Emerald City, and the girls gang up on 
the guardian and overpower him yes. and they're like poking him with their knitting needles oh my god and they take his keys from around his neck and they just let themselves into the city <gasps> well yes first mission down <laughs> <laughs> on to the next and so once they're into the city the guard the soldier with the green whiskers is there and he has his gun which again as we learned last episode there's guns in oz and he's points it at the girls and he's just like hey don't you move and a bunch of the girls panic well yeah they're scared a they're bunch like of them oh my god turn around and just run yeah. they're like but I ginger mean, not a bad practice to have but yeah at the same when time, all you have is army all they have is knitting needles yeah that's though, not fair and a skirt all i have is get behind the next girl beside me oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but ginger's like <laughs> You wouldn't shoot a poor defenseless girl, would you? Oh, she's doing a puss in boots. See, it's interesting <laughs> because, and, and Blake had mentioned that earlier, or what, yesterday or whatever, but like, I read that more as like, you wouldn't hurt a girl. Like, I imagine it being, I don't know, she's just so, it, I read her as being aggressive. Uh, well, I read it as her using her feminine wiles because yeah. she said, oh, they're not going to fight back because we're sexy. Like That's true. I mm, think true. it's part of the strategy, uh, but I just imagine her being so brusque. But, but when um, she needs to be, well, yes, you're right. When she, I, I picture well, it's it kind of the opposite. Very actually. much like when she talks to the girls, it's like I don't want to want that. And then like when she's like in danger, men. she's like, she's oh, like, ah, that's how I am. God. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point though, she's literally like, "Go ahead, shoot me." Then, but he can't because. For fear of accidents, he doesn't keep that gun loaded. Yeah. It's oh. not even a loaded gun. He doesn't have the powder or the shot for his gun, but he says, oh, if you'll wait a minute, I'll go and hunt them down. Yeah. And she's like, no, just don't bother. Okay. <laughs> I thought that line was so cool because yeah. she literally, I just like, I just picture her smirking like a bitch and just being like, there's no need. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Girls, the gun isn't loaded. <laughs> Get back here. <laughs> but yeah, she tells all the other girls and the guard just runs away. Uh, and the chapter ends with the line, in this way was the Emerald City captured without a drop of blood being spilled. The army of revolt had become an army of conquerors. Yeah. There was no blood spilled because they didn't get their hands on the soldier because he took off running toward the he palace. Ran. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, he just ran away. I thought they were fucking stabbing him with those. No, he got away. No. Thankfully. Oh, thankfully. The he... guard might have gotten stabbed. The but guard. The like guard was blood. poked. So, Blake, that was chapter eight. General Ginger's army of revolt. And what would you call that chapter if pressed? Yeah, I would call that chapter. Make me a sandwich. Because Ginger oh. literally made Tip a sandwich and other girl stuff. Oh, she gave him a sandwich, but yes. Oh, well, who made it? Her mother, probably. Quite. <laughs> Chapter nine. The Scarecrow plans an escape. So, you know, the, the soldier with the green whiskers takes off and starts running toward the palace. And Tip, smart little boy, uh, follows him. Yeah. Tip is like, okay, I need to get away from these crazy ass women. And so <laughs> I'm going to just follow the guard. And the whole army of girls is moving a lot more slowly because they're already starting to use their uh, 
knitting needles to pry the gemstones out of the like granite and the streets and stuff. So they're already like yeah. looting the so city. Conquering the throne isn't even the top priority. Taking them emeralds and gems is the top priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's nice for Tip and the soldier with the green whiskers because they're able to get to the palace before anyone even knows that the city has been captured. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> the, the speed at which the girls are moving must just be like, inches per hour because it's like just not distracted I picture, they them, are. I picture yeah. them screaming like a mob that's like on its way but it's just like <laughs> yeah. yeah like as they like pick at the walls and ground they're just screaming while they're yeah like leveraging out all these maybe uh, fighting gems. each other yeah. oh no we don't do that a little support women but Tip and the Royal Army of Oz, which is that one soldier with the green whiskers, uh, they run into the courtyard where the Scarecrow and Jack Pumpkinhead are still throwing quoits. Um, and the soldier with the green whiskers tells the Scarecrow that the city has been invaded. Uh, and the Scarecrow tells him to go lock all the doors and windows while him and Jack uh, just kind of continue to play quoits. Yeah, the Scarecrow is not even bothered like he he has like virtually no reaction other than like oh yeah go lock up the windows um but then tip arrives and jack is like oh greetings my noble parent like he's like thank god you're here i'm you're, you're my daddy what uh, he hasn't even met tip no jack oh jack oh jack Jack's that's jack. his daddy yeah. remember because okay. last book he realized he's his father yeah so while jack's greeting tip um, the scarecrow is wondering what his army was doing at the time that they were invaded by another army. Uh, and the soldier with the green whiskers says, your army was running. Oh, and he also asks who they're being invaded by. Uh, and, and the guard tells him that it's a group of women who wish to come and take the throne. And this whole time, the scarecrow, I, this is maybe just me, my reading it, but like he's just so apathetic and he doesn't even care. He's just like, oh, like, well, I mean, like, yes. Yeah. So when he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep him in my game. You go lock the doors. But then it's like, also, he's like, oh, like, wait, by the way, who invaded us? Oh, okay. And like, oh, wait, like, it, he just, he just doesn't care. And it's frustrating because. He's supposed to be the ruler. Well, he is the ruler of the Emerald City. Shouldn't he do be doing anything? But, yeah, but I mean, he's got fucking pins for brains. He's got literal yeah. pins for brains. Yeah. And King Scarecrow's behavior can be explained because he does say that he wouldn't really care if his throne was taken from him because the job is hard and the crown hurts his head. But he hopes that the army of revolt doesn't plan to injure him. Well... There's Uh, one thing I want to say, which is... Selfish, selfish, selfish. That's all that I have to say. Well, the Scarecrow can't feel pain. So I I don't know why he says he has a headache from the crown when he can't feel pain. Um, That is a very good point. He fucking... What was it? He laid his body over fucking all of them and got stung by bees. Being disemboweled to cover them up when the birds were coming. Yeah. And then also being stung by the bees. Yeah. Or that was... And carrying a a, basket that weighs more than him. Yeah. What's (laughs) an army of women with fucking knitting... Oh, well, I actually have the answer to that, to what they're going to do to him. Yeah, let's know. Um, In this moment, Tip is like, oh, I actually overheard them. And they said that they're going to, let's see, make a rag carpet out of your outside and stuff their sofa cushions with your insides. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So I would be kind of scared. I would be kind of scared. All of a sudden, I would be scared. Yeah. And the scarecrow is. The scarecrow, (laughs) yeah. He decides that he's in grave danger uh, and should find a means of escape. Oh, really quick, though. 
I am just thinking about all the other times the Scarecrow has been disemboweled and <laughs> put back together and he's fine. Yeah. If they turned his outsides into a rug and his insides into a cushion, would he still be alive? Yeah. Like, would he still just like that would be his life? Yeah. And then you know uh, go ahead. Sorry. More things. More things happen in today's reading. I know. That I think will tell us that unfortunately yeah, he would be. Yeah, Ew. I think he would be fine. But he where, like, would his spirit be free to roam or would it belong yeah, in would one it part of him? Switch from the no sofa idea. to the rug? It's, Does he get to choose oh, which ooh, one he wants to be in? Or is it both? For eternity? Like, if, if they cut him up into five tiny scarecrows, would he be all five scarecrows? But yeah, if Dorothy came and was like, oh no, my poor scarecrow, I can't believe you're a sofa cushion. I'm going to take this cushion with me. But he's also a rug and five other cushions. Does she have the scarecrow? Will they communicate? Yeah. Who's to say? It's ambiguous in the same way the Tin Woodman's identity is like they just they don't exist as like people. They exist as like ideas attached to these objects. It's like they're possessed objects. Yeah, basically. Essentially, they are. Kind of. Yeah, and so the Scarecrow decides, like, it's time to get out of here, it's time to go hide, and Jack Pumpkinhead asks where the Scarecrow would go, and King Scarecrow tells him that he will go to see his friend, the Tin Woodman, who rules over the Winkies in the West. I am sure he will protect me, he says. Mm Mm-hmm. But something that's interesting and, like, disturbing and, like, poignant and weird, I don't know, it's just something that, like, stands out to probably everyone who reads the book, this isn't going to be a hot take, but it's interesting, is just... And this is all going to be about Jack, but like the scarecrow is like, okay, let me think about how to get out of here with my great wisdom. And Jack is like, Hey, instead of taking some like time to think about it, like, let's just get out of here. Like, we don't have any time right now. Mind you, Tip has already looked out the window and they are surrounded by a 400 woman army. <laughs> so they're like, just leaving is not an option. Yeah. No. We and- need strategy. <laughs> And so, yes, they need strategy, but Jack is just, like, panicking. And his main concern at this moment is that if the girls can cook, then they're liable to use him in a recipe. Yeah, they're going to turn his head into a pie. Yeah. Uh, Or that if they make him their prisoner, his head's going to rot, and he'll have wasted so much of his necessarily short, pumpkin life. He's been told about him being made into a pie a little too often. Yes, and this feeds into, like, some stuff from the prior episode and prior chapters where he is, like, conscious of, like, oh... I'm going to spoil is. and rot. Like he's just, obs- well, he is obsessed, which he's, he should be, but he's in a constant existential crisis. Yes, exactly. I, mean, I would be too, if I was born not that long ago and then starting to understand the, ob- like the objects of my body. Yeah. Like yeah. that you're not like part like of you is not permanent. My arm was a cucumber. I would be worried if I would have to refrigerate the cucumber. Oh my not. God. That'd be so annoying. If you Do had to, like, to put your cucumber it? arm on ice every night when exactly. you went to bed. But then also like you were literally made yesterday, but you also have an understanding of that your head is a pumpkin and that it can rot. Yeah. Because like uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, I think is 10 times smarter than the scarecrow was when he started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, based on the Scarecrow's actions in the previous book, and especially based on the Scarecrow's actions in this book, Jack is way smarter, but they're trying to make it seem like they're both as dumb as each other. Mm. But it's like one of them, if you look at the last book, the Scarecrow's smarter. If you look at this book, Jack is smarter. But if you look at them side by side, they're as dumb as each other. Elfric Baum has created 
an absolute paradox. Yeah. Well, the thing that I think is interesting, and I didn't write it in my notes, but I told myself to remember, is this is very similar to what the Scarecrow said of, I will bend, but you, but I won't break, but you will break and will not bend. And I feel like there are these two, like, counterparts and they're both like made the same way but they like kind of like their personalities are playing by different rules you know jack is jack is sticks with a head of pumpkin so every part of him can break yes and the Mm. scarecrow is straw and and cloth so he's literally unbreakable yeah and like the and yeah and (laughs) breakable and the scarecrow is immortal jack is like just dreading his inevitable demise. They're like these, unless like, he lives without his pumpkin head, which is true. He was dusted in the powder of life, so I assume he it's can. yet to be seen. We may see um, it later this chapter. But at yeah, any rate, though, the it's scarecrow, just the scarecrow needs a moment to reflect in silence to think up a plan. So he walks away and faces into the corner like he's in timeout. Uh, for and the book says a good five minutes before he turns around with a plan. Now the palace is surrounded; they are infiltrating. He took five minutes to stand in the corner and come up with a plan. <laughs> and the plan is that he turns around and asks Jack, "Hey, where's that sawhorse that you rode in on?" And I just want to interject and say, Hannah, where do you think the the sawhorse is? I I mean, I don't think that this is right, but I'm just going to say that they fucking put him in a dungeon. (gasps) Well, here's the thing, and I'm not going to answer. I'll let you answer. But I was also devastated and shocked by this because in our previous episode we said that he went to the horse stables because that's what we were led to believe well yes that's what you would be led to believe yeah where a horse would go or the dungeon i'm not taking that away from you (laughs) but (laughs) the guard is like oh i took him down to the uh treasury because jack said that he was a jewel yeah, it's just some really fun wordplay. Mary, who's on first? <laughs> I didn't even put that in my notes because, because he was a jewel. I yeah. literally thought that we already knew that. Like, I didn't put it in my notes because I was like, "Oh shit, I missed that." Last no, time. it's just and it's just stupid. It's stupid, but it's fun. But it's just it's stupid. It's some lighthearted so, fun. But thrown the good in news there. is he's in the castle. He's not outside in the stables. He's, he's not. Okay. He's not in the around. dungeon. Yeah, so, he's in the. Oh, I just thought, you know, it was going to be an instant, like, you know, the evil witch for some reason. And (laughs) all all of his friends were going to be taken away somewhere scary. But Uh, I guess he's just in the the treasury. Mind you, they're all still standing in the courtyard around the Coit's pavilion. Um, But yeah, they run inside and get the the sawhorse out of the treasury. Um, And the scarecrow wants the sawhorse to carry himself, Tip, and Jack out of the palace and through the mob running at full speed because he decides to leave the soldier with the green whiskers behind since he has was conquered so easily and doesn't see his use. Yeah, he's like, I have no confidence in his powers. That's what he literally says about his guard, but which I understand and believe. The soldier is like, that's fine. I'd rather shave yeah. off my whiskers and try to hide in plain sight. Like, that's not any more dangerous than getting on the back of this death mobile that is the sawhorse. Like, yeah. I don't trust that untrained piece of wood at all i don't either and if you thought it sounded dangerous before they all get on the horse the sawhorse and then the guard goes and gets a clothesline and ties them tightly 
to the sawhorse. So uh-huh. now they're stuck. And uh-huh. this isn't even important, but like Tip is up front. Well, it kind of is. Tip is up front, and then behind him is the scarecrow. Behind the scarecrow is Jack. So they're all like squashed up to the front, tied super tight, ready to go. And yeah. They do go. They go. And the sawhorse tears out of the courtyard at the same incredibly fast speed that got him and Jack to the Emerald City to begin with. Um, And they knock over a bunch of Ginger's army. Tip gets poked in the arm by a knitting needle and it hurts for about an hour after, but he's fine. And obviously the needles can't hurt Jack or the scarecrow. Um, Or the horse. (laughs) Once they get out of the gates of the city, the sawhorse just keeps going at his top speed. And the scarecrow tells Tip tells a uh, tip uh, our dog is called skip and i'm just i keep wanting to call tip skip i'm very sorry <laughs> um but the scarecrow tells tip to have the horse slow down and tip can't catch his breath because he's bouncing and rattling so fast that he can't give the horse a command oh my God. and they're just bucking and bouncing and heading in the direction of the west yeah and then they run directly into the river that's it. They run to the river and they end up just floating there. And since they're all tied, they still, yeah, they're, they're all they tied to the horse, tied so up. They don't we'll fall off. That's that. very dangerous. But they it end is. up. The book says that they is it like white waters. Like oh, it's it's pretty rapid, and they like sink and they go under, and they're like twisting and turning under the water, and then they come back up. And the book says that they like bob there like a cork. Yeah. Um. And the the, the sawhorse all the while is just kicking and wiggling his legs like he's trying to run away he he hasn't been given a command to stop (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it just like will go for eternity if it's not told to stop yeah that really just freaks me out yeah they almost went splat into the side of the city of emeralds to which someone would have been like did you hear that (laughs) (laughs) what was that sound but that is the end of chapter nine, the scarecrow plans an escape. And Blake, what would you call that chapter? Yeah, I'm going to call that chapter a ride upon his wood. Chapter 10, the journey to the tin woodman. So we're floating in a river, right? Mm-hmm. And the sawhorse is kicking his little legs and tip tells the sawhorse. Creating keeps- waves, apparently. Green wave. He is the wave pool. (laughs) And Tip tells the sawhorse, keep still, you fool. Keep still. And the sawhorse stops kicking and they float on him like a raft. And the sawhorse asks what a fool is. And Tip tells him ashamedly like he's like it's a term of reproach which I only use when I'm angry. And like he feels sorry for using it. But the sawhorse doesn't really like being called names very much. But even if he doesn't know what the name is. Well, he learned that it's a term of reproach. Oh, he shouldn't have said anything. Angry. Ew, so the sawhorse is like, okay, then fine. You're a fool too, because I didn't put that river there. I didn't know it was there. So how are you going to be angry at me for falling into it? That's what a fool does, you fool. So like... Yeah. yeah. He's but like, you should have commanded me because that's what I listened exactly. to. Exactly. And Tip is like, you know what? I'm sorry for calling you a fool. I was in the wrong. I'm just, this is an upsetting situation. Okay. We I'm love sorry. communication. We love yes, communication. But they, they hash it out. This is definitely like, this is the first instance of like where we learn 
the sawhorse's attitude. Okay. Um, so it's like the first here. time going on a trip with someone you don't know super well. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so you're going to get upset about everything. Oh, oh so you wanna, she wants to fight for real. <laughs> okay. At that point, Tip is like, okay, great. Like that beef has been squashed. And he tells the scare, or he tells the sawhorse, okay, like, this is stop running, just start paddling toward the shore. But he looks back and he's like, Hey, is everyone okay? Yeah, he can't really see all the way behind him because of the way he's tied. He's tied so tight, he can't turn his head. So he's Ugh. like, Hey, Jack, are you okay? And Jack doesn't say anything. Um, yeah. And then he's like, hey, King Scarecrow, are you okay? And King Scarecrow is like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just super wet. Yeah. <laughs> he literally complains about how wet the water is. is what he does. <laughs> he's like, this water's so wet. Yeah. I've um, never met water that hasn't been wet. But yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, well, I was going to say the Scarecrow's never seen water. But no, he was stuck in that river yeah, until the storm. He's been caught him. in the river before. Um, they should have tied him to the raft. Yeah. Uh, back then. But um, they get to the land and Tip gets his knife out after like a struggle, cuts the rope, and then so they can all dismount the sawhorse. And he hears the squishy, wet scarecrow like squ- uh, onto the ground. The scarecrow is fucked up. So after he hears the scarecrow like flop onto the ground, he turns around and the first thing that he sees is that Jack is missing his head. And the Scarecrow, meanwhile, obviously that's huge because, like, that is his essential existence. Like, Tip is like, he can't be here without a head. And Jack's body is still just, like, sitting upright, holding on around Tip, but fully headless, which is why he didn't answer the question before. Um, But, yeah, we are going to lean into a lot of uh, Scarecrow body horror in just like it's literally like one paragraph. Well, yeah, it's just so yeah. Tip Tip sees that Jack is headless, but then meanwhile the scarecrow is just there. His during the whole ride, all of the hay or straw in his body was shaken down to like the bottom of his feet, so they're all bulged and horrible, and his body like his torso and stuff is just limp and empty he's giving cankles yes he's giving like elephantitis <laughs> and his body is like a napkin it's like Ew. if you forced all of the stuffing down to one side of a pillow uh-huh. like his bottom half is super like plump in there and yeah. then like his top half is just completely deflated uh-huh. and there's nothing in it um and upon his head the scarecrow still yeah. wore the heavy crown yeah. which because it was sewn it was onto his sewn head. onto him but his head is now what so is with sewing things onto people. I know. Well, when people are scarecrows, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but the head was so damp and limp that the weight of the golden jewels sagged forward and crushed his painted face into a mass of wrinkles that, and I quote, made him look exactly like a Japanese pug dog. <gasps> Oh, I that's didn't even what, see that. That's what the book says. <laughs> that sounds about dog. right. So though. Tip basically is like, okay, Jack doesn't have a head. Scarecrow's all fucked up. Let's deal with Jack first because that's more timely. His head's on the river. So Tip grabs a stick, goes out to the river, um, fishes the pumpkin out of the river, and goes and puts it back on Jack's head. Okay. And then Jack's fixed. like, oh, thank you. Oh, God, it was so terrible. But Tip basically ignores him and goes to help the Scarecrow. Well, also, just 
in that moment, Jack is like, the first thing he says is like, oh God, can water spoil pumpkins? Because he's if worried so, about the rot my days are numbered. Yeah. yeah he's like, I'm going to rot. But then yeah, God. Kip is just like, hey, I the don't really fear have. fear that he lives in. Exactly. It's like, has, like too anxiety. much. It's it is little, too yeah. much. I, I get, get it. it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. He's made if of pumpkin. my head was oh, a. Oh, your head of all things. Yeah. You know? A food product. Yeah. Um, my head was a pumpkin. I wouldn't refrigerate it no. when it needed to no. be. But Tip is basically just like, okay, I get it. You're scared. Mm-hmm. I'm ignoring you. I'm going to go help the scarecrow now. Uh, and he wow. removes all of the stuffing from the scarecrow and lays it out into the sun to dry. And then he hangs the scarecrow's wet clothing over the back of the sawhorse. Ew, so it's and basically, okay, let me just get this down. So he puts all his straw out to lay. So that means it's just skin. The skin is a long sleeve shirt and long sleeve pants, you know, and gloves and a hat. Sure. But also, does his wet clothing include his head? Because his head is a sack. Yeah, because what I'm picturing is his whole entire body being just like absolutely like all the meats taken out. And so he's just this like thin hollow little thing and you just hang it on it on it like yeah. a, like a towel yeah you just yeah. hang it on a tree branch the book says he laid his clothes out to dry but his clothes must have been his face head and entire spirit thing yeah well that's well does the does his spirit reside in the hay or the straw or is it in the clothes we don't oh. know that was the question before when we were talking about the rug and the couch yeah like no. what's what where but does it go that being said i'm assuming it it's just connected to the head because that just makes some kind of a sense but yeah, i do imagine be. with the clothes is going to be the head like the the burlap head or whatever it's made of yeah Um, which is so bizarre well it's probably sewed to the shirt so that makes sense um but this is also very much like i just got attacked by the flying monkeys in book one and i just got like disemboweled and i got thrown up in the trees put put back together exactly yes the exact same thing so we know he's gonna be fine he's been here before and when that happened in the previous book he was stuffed with brand new straw and And obviously he's been stuffed many times before like we've even seen him yeah he's by me stuffed many times get it just kidding um but because he he was so badly he was lumpy he was all you know nasty and everything like or else that's because he hadn't been stuffed and everything was kind of everything's just been moving around yeah Yeah. interesting um but Jack is super worried that the water is going to spoil his pumpkin. Yeah. And Tip tells him that unless his head has a crack in it, there's really nothing to be worried about. And he says something that um, is somewhat of a turn of phrase that we use today. It's a it's an ancient version of a turn of phrase we used today. Because what like if I said curiosity, how would you finish that phrase? Kills the cat. Right. Yeah. Well, sort of. Well, killed. Killed the cat. But they say, what you want to tell her what they say in what, the book? What they say is, care once killed a cat, which <laughs> means the same thing. Um, sort of. I but, just, oh. See, I don't see curiosity and care as the same thing. 
I well, and just I just get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I just get mad. Like, why do they have to say things in such a strange way? Well, I think the we're the strange ones. They said it first. Yeah, we <laughs> came later. But the way that true. I'm looking at it is like care, as in like worry, like take care. So like worrying too much killed the cat. Like mm. being too cautious or whatever. Like thinking too much. That's what killed the cat, which is like I can kind of see the jump from that to curiosity because it's the difference of like, oh, I'm worried and that's going to kill me versus like, oh, like I'm interested. Like I want to know more like you're kind of digging for something. Yeah, that just kind of feels like reaching to me. I yeah. guess it's like, a jump for I, sure. A leap. But, but I, I mean, was, maybe back then it, it wasn't. That was just the way that right. they spoke. Meanwhile. Tip stirs up all the straw to dry it out and he restuffs the scarecrow. And the scareful, the, not scareful, the scarecrow <laughs> is obviously just like thankful. And he says that it's convenient to be a scarecrow since nothing really bad can happen to you as long as you have friends around, which is a nice sentiment and also has been evidenced to be true because nothing bad can happen to the scarecrow. And it's, it's like again, he'll die. Yeah. Well, unless, unless it's a lighted match, he's going to yeah. be fine. He yeah. can't and, put himself back together, but his friends always can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting parallel again against Jack who's sitting there like, will water destroy me? I don't even know. And then the scarecrow's like, I'm immortal as long as someone can help me. <laughs> so it's just it's just strange. Yeah. But then, oh God, and I hate to even bring this up, but well, I don't hate to because it's interesting. It's literally our jobs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what you're supposed but to do. Then, so okay, you know, everything got dried out, and then Jack is like, "Oh man, like I hope the hot sun doesn't spoil my pumpkin head." But the scarecrow was like, "Hey, chill out. Like the only thing that you need to worry about is old age, because right now you're in your youth. Like, don't even fucking worry about it. But when you decay, that's gonna be it." Which. I guess is him saying, like, when you're dead, you're dead. Forget about it. Let's go. They get back on the sawhorse, um, and Tip tells the sawhorse to go a little slower because there's no longer any danger of pursuit. Um, And the sawhorse responds very gruffly by saying, like, all right. Um, He's annoyed. Jack asks the sawhorse if he's a little horse. H O. A-R-S-E. And the sawhorse takes offense to it right off the bat. Of course he does. Of course he does. And Tip tries to, like, de-escalate the situation by telling them that, like, we all need to, like... This literally just feels like we're eavesdropping on, like, a road trip with people. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm just tired of you. Yeah. But um, Tip reminds them that, like, they all need to remain great friends if they're going to be successful in their journey. Um... And the sawhorse says that he wants nothing to do with that pumpkin head any longer because the pumpkin head loses his head too easily to suit the sawhorse. Um, which, again, is just this wordplay of, oh, he loses his head, which he literally just lost yeah, his he head. Did. Right. Like, his head. I just, I yeah. can't stand it, but also, like, good writing, it's fun. Well, it's like, I can't stand it because, like, my job is to report what they said and you're making it annoying for me because <laughs> I have to say everything you said. So they just keep on writing and it's like, an hour or something like that. And the scarecrow looks around and he's like, Oh, Hey, this is where I saved Dorothy from all those evil stinging bees. Yep. And Jack Pumpkinhead asks if stinging beans, stinging bees can hurt a pumpkin. Uh, and the scarecrow tells him not to worry about it because all of the bees are now dead, which is bizarre to me because there were only 40 bees that were sent. So apparently in 
in all of Oz, there were 40 bees. And they moved along a little further, and the Scarecrow says, and here's where Nick Chopper destroyed the Wicked Witch's gray wolves. And Jack Pumpkinhead asks who Nick Chopper, Nick Chopper is. And Nick Chopper, which I think we've mentioned before, even though it wasn't actually in the book before, we might have even just mentioned this in the last book, not in the last episode, but Nick Chopper is, in fact, the Tin Woodman. Yeah, we did mention it previously, but this is where we learned that. Yeah, this is the first mention. Yeah, and it doesn't really... Hi, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, why is Nick Nick Chopper hot? I don't know. (laughs) It just seems like But he is, uh, I assume. But, well, he was, I guess. He's he's made of tin now. But it's interesting because there's not really any exposition about, like, oh, that was his name before he was the Tin Woodman. It's just... Right, well, that's him. And as they move forward, uh, the scarecrow notices. Oh, and here's where the winged monkeys captured and bound us and flew away with little Dorothy. God, just so Which, many memories. Yes. Well, that's an interesting memory to have when, it, in the book, it says, "Oh, like when we were bound up, they weren't bound. The they dropped the Tin Woodman down a crevice so that he was like broken up and fucked up, and they tore the scarecrow limb from limb. I guess so, they were bound by their circumstances." They couldn't go. That's true. Yeah, You're right. You know, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting. Phrasing Jack, of course, is like, oh, do the flying monkeys eat pumpkins? God. Okay. I'm getting sick of it. Honestly. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's, not everything well, is coming for your head. Yeah. Okay. You're a little <laughs> paranoid. Yeah. You're a little paranoid. Although, of all the things of all the things that he's been afraid of flying monkeys i could imagine them eating pumpkins well you know what you know? honey you're rotting you should be more worried about flying maggots yeah, oh, yeah god but the scarecrow is like you know it doesn't matter they are all now the slaves of glinda the good who has the cat that controls them that's right okay can we stop that's this not can right. we stop this because didn't this she, is where we run into a huge she discrepancy set them free. in the story. Yeah. Exactly. She should have set Say them free. Say that again. She set them free. She exactly. gave them the cap. She did her wishes, gave them the cap. So they're not in under... I was so disappointed by that because that is one of the coolest things that Glinda did in the last book was that away. she yeah. gave them the cap so that they would never be in bondage again. And L. Frank Baum couldn't be bothered to just... Flip back a couple pages in his own book. It's literally in the like the last ten pages of his own book. He couldn't just like look and make sure that his story had continuity. Drives me crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And the thing that really gets to me is that this. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't think this comes up again. The flying monkeys aren't gonna be in this book. I don't. Thing. Right. Yeah. I and think it's, it's like throwaway. it's not even exactly. It's not even a decision that was made. It's a mistake that was made. He just decided to make them hostage again. All yeah. he had to do was remember what he wrote he, two years ago. He could have said, "Well, it doesn't matter because they're now set free and they've gone back to the land they came from far away." That's right. all he exactly. had to say. Exactly. Period. So anyway, But this is at this point they've been traveling for. I guess quite a while. Well, and actually, this is about the time that they took a nap in the other book with Dorothy. Yeah, because um, night falls and Tip is tired and he needs to sleep, but literally no one else in the group is capable of sleeping. The sawhorse, Jack Pumpkinhead, the scarecrow, none of them sleep, none of them eat. <laughs> T- 
tip is tired and hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. And this is one of the normal. things. Yes. Fully normal. Well, don't talk about normal because there's he is a minority in this group. That is um, very true, So the relative actually. normality is not relevant. But what I will say is this is, I think, one of the things that redeems the Scarecrow a little bit for me, even though it's not about being intelligent. But the Scarecrow is like, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, like, we don't have to sleep. I don't sleep. I don't sleep. And the Scarecrow's like, you know what? It's fine. We'll just sit through the night. We always had to do this with Dorothy. And when you're made of flesh and bone and blood, you need rest. That's just it. So like everyone, he he puts tip. uh, Well, Well, he doesn't put tip. I will have to say though, like if this is your redeeming quality for him, it's just not enough for me. One of everything that he said. One of many. I mean, his and his redeeming quality basically being, I love Dorothy, you know? So it's like, eh, we know. In response to Tips also being hungry, Jack Pumpkinhead is like, oh no, would you Don't possibly eat my, eat my pumpkin head? <laughs> oh yeah. God, I fucking <laughs> hate yeah. him. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of it. I really am. I'm annoyed. Yeah, but, I know how everyone else is feeling. Don't, I'll, don't I'll destroy worry. him. Because Tips says that he only eats pumpkin if it's stewed and baked into a pie. At that point, though, Tip just goes to sleep. Well... King Scarecrow lays down and fluffs himself up so that oh, Tip yeah. can use him as a Tip pillow. Tip uses him as a pillow. And then Tip goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just like, is like we're really being like, yeah, these are inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, you are just a pillow. That's just it. Uh, That's all that you are. <laughs> but that is the end of chapter 10, The Journey of the Tin Woodman. And Blake... What would you rename that chapter? Ten Ways to Stuff a Scarecrow and Other Stories. Chapter 11. A Nickel-Plated Emperor. So, Tip wakes up just after dawn, but the scarecrow's already up and he's picked berries for Tip to eat. Are you going to say something cute? Just going to think about how that's like a really good thing for the scarecrow to do and how he might not be like a bad guy. All the okay, time. you're and really how... rooting for the scarecrow, aren't well, you? Just saying. Hashtag I mean, scarecrow. In the previous... Hashtag scarecrow. This also must be really nostalgic to the scarecrow, because in the previous book, you may remember that the Tin Woodman forbade Dorothy from eating any meat. Uh, and so uh, the scarecrow solved that problem by going and getting her nuts and berries. So before Tip wakes up, he knows that Tip needs to sleep, and he doesn't wake Tip up when he gets up from being his pillow. Somehow. He- <laughs> I wonder how. But- and he goes and picks him some berries. So, like, he's already gone through a bunch of nostalgia in the last chapter, talking about, oh, here's where we murdered a bunch of things. But then the gang decides to begin their journey again, and eventually they come to a summit of a hill where they're able to see the tall domes of the Tin Woodman's Palace. Yeah, they ride for like an hour and they get up to the top and they see these huge domes of the palace, these like small little dome buildings of like houses and stuff around it. But the scarecrow is like super hyped, like so excited that he's like verbally explaining how he wants to see Nick Chopper. It's like his 10 year anniversary at his school. Yeah, except it's like he's seeing his boyfriend for the first time in like a year. (laughs) I just have, yeah, I have speculations that are unfounded maybe, but we'll talk about it. Um, but, but the sawhorse asks if the Tin Woodman is the emperor of the Winkies and the Scarecrow fills him in on how he was asked to uh, stay after the destruction of the Wicked Witch of the West. You know, you remember that from the last book. Yeah. Um, 
But Tip says, well, I thought an emperor rules an empire while the land of the Winkies, which the Tin Woodman rules, is a kingdom. So isn't he a king? The Scarecrow's like, yeah, but like, don't say that to him. He's like very prideful, but like in a good way because like he has a lot to be proud of. But he would rather be an emperor than a king. So just like, don't even mention yeah. that. That's just oh like my what gosh. he wants. Okay, what a good friend. <laughs> so like a yeah. good boyfriend. <laughs> He's yeah, like, I know what like. he likes. I know what he doesn't like. <laughs> and don't I, fucking say this shit to him. The sawhorse does like kind of have like a high on contact from the scarecrow's like obsession with seeing Nick Chopper. Um, and so he just starts to like sprint down the hill right to the entrance of the land of the Winkies, where they're greeted by an old Winky man who is dressed in silver cloth. Yeah. And <laughs> they ask this to the emperor, but the Winky is like, well, he's not really like receiving people right now. This is where things get a little bit gay. What I will say is that it's a prelude of things to come. Yeah. But the scarecrow is Im- because the scarecrow is immediately worried because the the old Winky is like, oh, like, ooh, he can't really come out right now. Or, like, he's not available right now. And he's like, oh, well, why is something wrong? Like, where's the Tin Woodman? What's going on? And he's like, oh, he's fine. He's just getting polished today. And this is his day to get polished. And also in this moment, the, well, really right after this moment the scarecrow is like oh, okay thank god that the tin woodman is fine and he comments that quote my friend was ever inclined to be a dandy <laughs> which to me reads as you know he's gay <laughs> yeah why are you saying that yeah and i i'm not saying anything i'm just saying something about what the scarecrow saying about the tin woodman and his proclivities um I mean, but, the scarecrow and there's more to awfully come excited to see him oh and oh, I absolutely want, and you know what i wonder how the tin woodman will feel seeing the scarecrow i bet we well, find let's out get there um the man does inform uh the gang that the tin woodman has now had himself nickel plated uh, and the scarecrow says, if his wit bears the same polish, how sparkling he must be. Um, <laughs> okay. So the Winky is like, okay, cool. Like, you guys just come inside. Like, I'm going to go tell the Tin Woodman. If he wants to see you, then, like, great. So they enter this room. And the room is, in my opinion, a little bit opulent. extra. Yeah, it's a lot. And I have a bullet list. There's four bullets. It's not that many. But there are, <clears throat> number one, silver tapestries hanging all over with little silver axes tied to them to hold them up. Two, there is a silver oil can engraved in gold with pictures of the adventures of Dorothy and the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin woodman. There are portraits of Dorothy, the lion, and the scarecrow on the walls. But the one with the scarecrow is not only the largest, but also the most carefully done. And I'm not saying there's a reason for that, but you might think. And number four, there was a giant painting on an entire wall of the Tin Woodman receiving his heart from the wizard. So it's just a little bit, you know, opulent. Op- it's quite opulent. Yeah. Um, and the Tin Woodman, or I guess Nick Chopper, all of a sudden comes in and he 
catches the scarecrow in a quote close and loving embrace. It is quite a loving embrace, so much so that the scarecrow like creases many times. Then the Tin Woodman kind of holds the Scarecrow out at an arm's length to look upon his face. But the Scarecrow is covered in putz pomade yeah. because the Tin Woodman like was in such a rush to go and see them that he didn't finish his polishing job. He says, you can use my imperial laundry shop. And the Scarecrow is like, wait, won't that mangle me? And he's like, no, of course it won't. What do you? What's going on? What's go, what are you doing here? He introduces the Tin Woodman to uh, Tip and Jack Pumpkinhead, um, and the Tin Woodman is like fascinated by Jack, and he says, "You're not very substantial, I must admit, but you are certainly unusual and therefore worthy to become a member of our select society." So the Tin Woodman asks if Jack is in good health, and Jack says that presently, yes, he is, but that he's in constant fear of the day of his um, head spoiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, again, just an extension of, like, Jack being depressing. but Paranoia. Yeah, and Nick is like... I, I don't want to say this is, like, th- that he's acting awkward, but he's sort of just like, oh, um, like... <sighs> that's nonsense like don't worry about tomorrow because you're just going to ruin today and like besides like we can just can you and you'll be preserved forever which it again begs the question could they can jack's head into a big can well they crush it up what would happen what would happen if we crushed his his pumpkin head up i bet the can could live on top of the spear like they've yeah, i agree i think that when the tin woodman said that when emperor nick chopper said that i think that it gave jack Pumpkinhead something new to think about so this whole time tip is just like staring at nip nick chopper which i think is interesting because he's staring at him like in amazement of the construction and like thinking about like okay tip built jack Pumpkinhead. he built him imperfectly obviously mm-hmm. because jack like needed to have the he needed to have a whole another being created to even carry him around the world, you know, yeah. like without ruining his joints. So on one hand, I'm like, okay, is Tip an engineer? Like, is that where this is kind of like headed? Not headed, but like the viewpoint we're looking through. But he's just amazed. But because he's staring at him, the Tin Woodman, Nick Chopper, is like, oh, yeah, I'm covered in shit right now. Like, let me go get myself actually polished and cleaned up. <laughs> and so he goes and leaves to do that. It just takes like a couple hours and then he's back to, you know, be with them. Yeah, I'd say even less than a couple of hours. It made it seem like it, he comes back really quickly. Um, and they all just like compliment him on his appearance. Um, and uh, the Tin Woodman says that he's very pleased with his nickel plating. Uh, and he points out a star that's been engraved on his chest uh, it was put there to indicate the placement of the heart the Wizard of Oz gave him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also to cover up the patch that the wizard left over that organ. And something that's stupid and I hate even mentioning is that in this like little speech he does, he's like, oh, like this is where the wizard gave me my heart with his skillful hands or this organ with his skillful hands. And Jack asks, like, oh, so is it a hand organ then? Which is like a hand organ well, is what? Like a, a harmonica? It's like a, like a, maybe a harm. Oh, it must be a harmonica. I was thinking like an accordion, but harmonica makes way more sense. It sounds much more like an organ. Oh, a mouth organ is a harmonica. Oh, 
I totally agree with you because I think that Jack is selectively stupid. Like he knows what a hand hand organ is. Um, he knows that people from different countries speak different languages. Uh, he understands like all these different complex things and then wastes our time with stupid, like minutely misunderstood details. Like, are these people going to eat my head? Yeah. Like shut up. Stop trying to make me laugh because I don't find you cute and I don't it's find you funny. funny. It's actually and not we're funny. actually like we're not safe right it's now. A little, we're in the it's middle of a war. It's serious right now. It's actually very serious <laughs> yeah, and so, it's not a joke. Like nobody has time for it. We, so, they anyway. really don't. But any any out of all of that, the Tin Woodman is like, well, no, it's just a real heart. I think. Um, but it's actually bigger and warmer than anybody else. So there's that. Mm. But what we know is that it's made of velvet. It's a ve- it's a right. stuffed velvet heart. So he doesn't know that, but he mm. seems to have a quite a high opinion of himself. And so okay. I'm the- not very impressed by the Tin Woodsman's heart, honestly. I no. hear you. Well, because you were there when it happened. Exactly. But the Tin Woodman is like, hey, like, what's up? What are you guys doing here? And they fill him in on everything that's happened, everything that's going on, and why they're there. And He's like, oh, well, I hope they don't come here. And Tip's like, well, actually, I overheard that the Army of Revolt also plans to come and take over the land of the Winkies. Yeah. And this is okay. I just want to roll it back. Didn't happen in front of the in front of us. Because the whole thing, like the Tin Woodman has some ideas. And yeah, they're like, well, Tip suddenly, which to my knowledge, he hasn't mentioned this to anyone. I don't know how this didn't come up. When they knew they were going to the Tin Woodman. But he's like, oh, actually, and this is also very much the, well, I heard they were going to turn you into a carpet and my, or and cushions for their sofa. It's like, yeah, Tip has these secrets that he knows he doesn't tell anyone until the, like, moment it matters. And yeah, then he's like, well, they said they're going to march here and they're, um, oh yeah, they're actually going to take your kingdom next. So, yeah. sorry. And I'm just like, why is this just now coming? Dude, like, why would you when, not give a little saw, bit of a heads when up? They saw the you old, guys are working together. Yeah, when right? they saw the old Winky, he should have been like, oh, like we're here to see the Tin Woodman. And by the way, we have a credible source saying that there's going to be a war against this palace. Yeah. Why Here's was that thing. not brought up? Here's the thing. In two pages, I knew that Dorothy was an orphan who lived with her aunt and uncle on a farm who had a dog who was the thing she loved the most in the world. And she helped on the farm and everything was gray and she was sad. All I know about Tip in about 40 pages is he lives with a witch. Why? Who knows? He well, left. We don't know that about Dorothy either. Why he she lives with her aunt and uncle. But we know, uh, okay, yeah, we know she's an orphan. But that's an easier an explanation than living with a witch. True. And it does say, even the book says, like, he doesn't know why he's here. Yeah. So, yeah. Dorothy, I guess, probably knows. I, so, the Tin Woodman says that they will go and win the throne back for the Scarecrow, just the four of them. Um, <laughs> because he's like, no, yeah, we don't need an army. Uh, we'll just go because you guys are all mad and I have an axe. Uh, and he says, we'll go just the four of us. And, uh, Jack Pumpkinhead is like, you mean the five of us? And he's like, what do you mean five? 
And this is when the sawhorse just wobbles himself out yeah. of a corner. He, like, he almost knocks over a table. Like literally, <laughs> that's in the book. You're embarrassing. You're yeah. embarrassing yourself. Like get your shit together if you're going to come out and make a yeah. statement that you're yeah. a fifth person. He's, he's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And But this is interesting and like kind of stupid because Jack Pumpkin is like, oh, like the sawhorse is with us. He's brave and fearless, which like they've been having that little tiff, you know, of like, yeah. oh, you're a horse. You're a little horse whatever so that was just kind of like the book does say like he dish he forgot about the quarrel he was in with the salt horse at this yeah so like it's like good just be friends matter because when you guys are bickering all the time that's just like hannah said a road trip like a real life road trip that's not interesting to read Mm But the Tin Woodman is like, what the fuck is that? Like, he didn't know that there was a sawhorse alive in there with them. Like, and he literally, like, upends a table. Like, it's just, oh like, God. clacking his little feet along the floor. It's It would be, frankly, horrifying. And Tip's like, oh... I just used my magic powder of life to make the sawhorse um, so that he could, like, carry us when Jack's joints were getting bad. So he's been super helpful. Like, he's been really nice. Like, so they all give really rave reviews. Oh, and the scarecrow is like, yeah, he's the only reason we even left, like, the Emerald City. Like, there's no other way we could have left because, like, he ran so fast. And Nick asks the sawhorse, of course, the age-old question that Mombi also asks, what do you know? And the sawhorse says, well, I can't really say that I have a lot of experience, but I do seem to know a lot more than the people around me. The sawhorse seems (laughs) to have a really strong sense of just like inherent knowledge, like information problem solving. Like he sees it all and he's just silent. He doesn't have a lot to say, but he's just he he has a silent knowledge. He knows what he knows. Yeah. 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 And out of that, the scare or the Tin Woodman is like, well... That makes complete sense because, yeah, like a lot of people who don't have like experience have, you know, just like the what inherent knowledge or whatever. I don't even have it in my notes. Yeah, I mean, he says basically that like sometimes wisdom comes without experience and you seem like you've already got it. So let's move forward. Yeah. Um, And so the scarecrow gets washed and stuffed and his crown polished. Jack and the sawhorse are reinforced with new wood and sanding and pegs and stuff. Yeah. Tip specifically mends the Jack's body and makes it like even more powerful. I don't know why they don't really talk about what Tip needed to do to get rejuvenated. Well, didn't he just like sleep and eat some berries yeah, that the scarecrow gave him can he get a foot rub in a bath is all i I'm guess saying? that's true it's it's a lot less that felt like a personal need <laughs> all i want um but that's i mean they yeah. do all that then in the, the next morning land of the winkies and yeah next morning they wake up and they just return on their journey to the emerald city and mm-hmm. the tin woodman has his axe and they're just walking and jack Pumpkinhead is on the back of the sawhorse and they're just like trying to make sure he doesn't fall off and crack his head open today dear listeners we left the emerald city to walk to the land of the winkies and we turned around and we walked yeah. right back and not with an army folks we're not coming back with an army we're nope. coming back with one additional person <laughs> one but he has an <laughs> Two, axe uh, yeah. versus 400 yeah versus 400 plus whoever is going to be on their side when they get yeah. there uh, anyway. oh, vey. what was yeah. that uh chapter called wyatt 
That was chapter 11, A Nickel-Plated Emperor. And Blake, what would you call that chapter? Yeah, I would say that that chapter is called... That's technically LGBTQ. (laughs) That's a good one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Oz Hour, episode 6. Next week, we'll be picking up with chapter 12, Mr. H.M. Wogglebug T.E. Oz Hour, created and hosted by Blake Stone and Wyatt Swingham. Co-hosted by Hannah Aguirre. Audio production by Charlie Johnson. Theme music written and performed by Rudy Clobus. Cover art by Valentin Lucas. 